Welcome to Opto Sessions, where we interview the brightest minds from the stock market, uncovering their secrets to success. If you're looking for ideas, tips and techniques from the world's best, you're in the right place. Hi everyone, I'm Ed Gotham and this is another episode of Opto Sessions. I'll be interviewing ex-New York hedge fund trader Patrick Reed. We'll be talking about how the king dollar influences equity prices, Patrick's swing trading techniques, and the risk management principles of Braveheart, who made $100 million trading. Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of Opto Sessions. Today we're talking to Patrick Reed. Patrick currently helps educate and mentor traders at proprietary trading house, the Adamus Principle, which he co-founded in 2016. Patrick has over 10 years trading experience, which began whilst working for one of Europe's largest prop houses. And um, hello, Patrick. And I just wanted to, to start, um, if you could go into detail a bit of your background and tell us about who you are, that'd be great. Hi, Ed. Thanks very much for having me on. And um, yeah, I'm really excited about, um, you know, just sort of telling you about my story and, and where, where I, how I ended up as an institutional trader. And I certainly didn't... Um, start that way i actually started majority of my career at the bbc doing various jobs in creative um so that was my my kind of journey but i certainly um i had a, a sort of fascination with with wall street the film and i really wanted to be a trader secretly but it was just um it was a, a bit of a dream of time and i remember just you know just thinking oh i'm watching wall street and i'm thinking yeah i really want to be like that those guys and um i just think i i opened up a, a little account with um with a broker and and I, I i i i had some success you know and i had really big days and really bad days so i remember thinking you know I, that was my first taste of pain and uh and joy and i remember thinking god there's something I'm doing wrong on the bad days or there's something I'm doing really well on the good days. And I, I still had my job. So I was a kind of part-time retail trader, but the key thing that changed uh, the needle that, that sort of changed the needle on, on, on the, uh, on my career was, was when I, my friend, basically her husband was a big prop trader at tower trading. And um, we just got chatting and, you know, he, I, I said, look, I had a bit of money and I said, look, you know, I'm, I fancy just seeing what it's all about. So I went over to see him. Um, you know, I, I got out at bank, I passed the Bank of England. I went to the old NatWest Tower and, um, you know, that was tower trading. And, um, and I went up to the third floor. I saw all of these screens and all of the kind of noise and the shouting and all that stuff. And, I, you know, we went out for dinner afterwards and basically he said look I'll train you I'll teach you you know and um, I was like wow that that for me was my dream it it came true so um, fast forward a year of absolute pain getting up at six you know hitting those desks getting shouted at daily just saying why are you trading why aren't you trading what's your risk where's your reward What's your ratio of R and R? What's what's your moving average? All this stuff. What's macro? You know, and um, you know, I I I just got up, picked myself up every morning after a losing day. You know, learned from my mistakes, dug deep, and um, you know, I I stuck it out. I, the apprenticeship was about a year from it was a, so I was derivatives trade. I was trading futures, um, cross assets, um, German debt, uh, U.S. debt. Uh, and uh, you know FX derivatives as well, and um, and then I I it was only my second year, I, I started to make some serious money, and um, I just felt I remember there was the trade I did where it changed everything, and I remember I was I was having a poor run, um, and uh, it was the near near December, and I was about to pack up shop. Or get carted out um, but then you know it all came together and you know basically that trade paid for the whole year and uh, and you know I was shocked but apparently that happens uh, in, in in the futures game so um, the second year I did extremely well um, and I just gained 
lots and lots of uh, lots lots of knowledge and deep dive macro um, stuff, and and I just really found my edge. And you know, the, you you hear about what is edge, what is the you know, how do I get an edge? Well, for me, an edge is just something you can do a little bit better than everyone else. Um, and for me, it was data. It was interpreting US data and, and reading a market. I'm, I'm very good at just listening and, and watching and reading a market. So those two things, along with broad US macro, um, really, really helped me forge a, 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 a high conviction um, um, and profitable trading setup. Um, and then I, I did really well. Then I got poached, I got hand targeted by, by a New York hedge fund called Edgewater. And that's when I started trading spot effects. And that's when, you know, all of the knowledge I had or thought I had in, in that second year at Tower Trading was basically insignificant <laughs> because I was then catapulted from from futures, which is, let's face it, quite small, into spot effects, which is gargantuan. Um, I was surrounded by um, mentors that headed up tier one banks, UBS, Goldman's, uh, Credit Suisse, JP Morgan. And these guys um, and girls, obviously, um, just taught me how to listen. They taught me risk management. Because essentially, the bigger size you get to, the, the more you really be, the more you realize it's not about winning, it's about not losing. And just having attractive risk reward profiles and, and just listening to the market, what the market's telling you. Um, and then, you know, from then on, I, 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 just, I just loved it. I mean, FX is my game, but I look at all assets. Um, and you'll find most, a lot of currency trades, even say, bigger equity traders, they all look at dollar, all the ones I do too. Um, and if you're, if you're doing uh, any kind of size, you need to have an eye on everything. Just, you know, it depends on, uh, you know, you can have your chosen asset, which, which, you know, I say it's equities. You need to know what dollar's doing. That's really, really important. Um, and then just really speeding up to date, um, about four years ago, we opened a damaged principal um, in August and uh, we felt that there were no education uh, providers out there that, that were doing something special that had institutional experience but could talk in a retail language. And that's where, where we come in and I head up the education arm. We do consultancy and also um, trade for, for some high net worth. And one of the things I love is teaching aspect and because i've been in that painful retail place and i've jumped the fence into the institutional i i know how it feels for for, for the, you know the younger retail um traders and you know we're at the moment we we mentor that's our that's our um that's <clears throat> the thing i head up um and and that's what we continue to do we we have done master classes um it's tough. It's a tough gig, but we found that mentorship because we we tailor made every single person. Um, we we write a bespoke mentorship and, and guide to them. Um, we find we found that's so much more rewarding. Um, Twenty people were mentored by me last year, by our team actually, by last year, and they've all remained with us. And uh, and in the current climate, um, I've never been so busy. Right, so we were just talking offline before, and uh, it's um, it's it's a it's a strange, unusual place to be. But we are seeing people. Certainly, I'm sure you guys are seeing at CMC uh, people actually reevaluating their career and thinking, "Well, look, I can profit from the markets going up or down, and um, I can do it remotely, and um, I can make some really good money as long as as long as I stick to to, to being disciplined." And um... You talked briefly about uh, your ability to, to read the markets being one of your sort of edges. Are you able to go into a bit more depth on that? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I, I have indicators um, and they're quite simple indicators, but they're very important because they don't, I've, I've traded every single indicator you can imagine, you know, RSI, MACD, 
stochastics, market profile, Bollinger Bands, all this stuff. But simple price action and simple support and resistance is, is what the institutions look at. They look at larger time frames. So that's how I was taught, really. So I wanted to explore everything, but I found that there are, I have certain simple setups that tell me how the market, what the market's doing. So there's a, there's a very interesting thing going on at the moment, and I use time frames as, as confluence. So if I use daily, then I'm, if, if I'm looking at what the dollar's doing, for example, with, you know, if I want to trade equities, I'm looking at, you know, equities are rallying at the moment, um, but I'm looking at why they are rallying, and there are reasons behind that. Um, but I think the dollar being softer is a very good reason to support that. So we basically, what we, what we call dollar weak risk on, that, that is the term that institutionals will, will tell you. So essentially what I look for on the daily, I look for at the moment, if you're looking at Euro dollar, it's a long-term trend lower, but short term, which is say four hourly, we've broken some key resistance. So it's turning, right? So these are the turning points I see, which really fit in with swing trading as well. And it's something that I feel uh, I'm, I'm comfortable doing, although I do day trade once in a while. Um, but I feel that this turn in the dollar is real for a lot of other reasons, which will be supportive of equities. And I just feel that as a, you know, if you put that within the context of buying equities, then, then uh, you know, it's, it's an extra confirmation for me. Yeah. Okay. And if we dive a bit deeper into FX and its effects on the stock market, um, briefly touched on on the US dollar. Um, just so I've, there's probably a lot of people on uh, listening to the podcast who probably don't know ins and outs on how US dollar impacts equities. Um, if we could, in a simple way, sort of describe it, how does sort of king US dollar impact stocks? Um, yeah, sure, absolutely. Well, the classic is a counterweight because basically you've got the reserve currency. So in a, in a very simple term, the dollar is, is the world's funding currency. You know, it's, it's above the Japanese yen, which is a great funder in itself. But the dollar, because it's a reserve, what that means is every country in the world needs to have a certain amount of dollars that it can draw on to pay for stuff, right? So usually if, if the dollar goes higher, that means it's more expensive to, to pay for the debt in dollar, for example. So when things are more expensive in dollars, you tighten your belt as a country, right? So you tighten your belt as an investor. So when the dollar goes up, all of the risk assets you have, you sell because you don't want to you know, be caught short because it's, it's more expensive. Things are more expensive. So therefore, stocks or equities are one of the biggest risk assets you can own along with you know, emerging market currencies. But let's just take the S&P or the Dow Jones. When all things are good, they go higher because people want to buy that risk. So you're getting dividends, you're, you're, you're getting that um, increase in the value of that stock or share, great. But when the dollar goes higher, the opposite happens. And, th and that's in a really simple way. Okay, so, as, so in the current climate, we're seeing, because of um, US government sort of let open the floodgates of two trillion economic rescue package, which is going to devalue US dollar, that would be positive for stocks? Is, is that absolutely, fair? absolutely. Now, I've been looking like a hawk at these moves because essentially a couple of weeks ago, the Fed bought half a trillion dollars worth of assets in MBS and treasuries. Um, dollar didn't really do much in, 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 in relative terms. Risk didn't do much in relative terms. Now, if you think about the other QEs we've gone through, between 40 and 60 billion a month was a good, healthy purchase of, uh, of bonds. And that affected it. It gave a great lift on equities and it hit the dollar too. Now, with so much more, like a complete wall of stimulus, the move was subdued. So that's something I take note of. But so that tells me two things. One, at the time, did the market believe the Fed? No, 
or did the market come around slowly into the Fed's thinking? Probably. And now that is that price is slowly but surely being bled into stocks. So I think there is another reason. There is a lot of desk talk um, behind the scenes talking to uh, basically looking at a relaxation of the um, the coronavirus um, restrictions. Um, China had zero deaths in a day. You know, this is probably really fueling this rally at the moment. But yes, absolutely, the stimulus really helps. Um, but I was just initially quite shocked at the, the subdued reaction in the beginning. Okay. So you think it's one to watch then? There could be... Are you saying that the reaction to this stimulus package may not be as straightforward as stocks are going to hit sort of all-time Defin- highs? Definitely, definitely. Yep. And some are actually calling this, this is a bear market squeeze. So it's, it's um, and, and often, you know, when we are, we are in a bear market in equities, right? So some are saying, look, you know what? This is just a brutal squeeze and this is all perfectly healthy and natural for a bear market. Um, you know, we had a 2% rally in the last couple of days on the Dow. Um, these healthy rallies, so healthy in inverted commas, these healthy rallies doesn't mean we're buying the dips. It doesn't mean we're bullish. This is a, you know, a brutal squeeze that, we, that could very well get sold into if the data supports it. And, you know, yeah. by all accounts, it is after non-farm payroll. And would you, are you monitoring in order to help, um, if, if someone was interested in, in, in sort of equities, how could they sort of actively use the US dollar now to give them sort of insight into the direction that, you know, the foreseeable future of, of, of the markets? Sure. Are you wow. using the US dollar index to do that and, and things like this? Yes and no. I'm not married to the Dixie. It, it, essentially, dollar index is euro dollar, right? Yeah. So it, it's got that and a bit of dollar yen, right? And a tiny bit of cable. But the cable's um, uh, sterling dollar, by the way. So, so essentially, I... I look at dollar index, a lot of the US guys, a lot of the US shops look at dollar index. I like it, but you just have to realize what it is. So just remember, essentially, it is euro dollar, right? So if the euro aspect of dollar index is the mover, then dollar index has to be taken with a pinch of salt because that's not actual real dollar strength. So you might get like the macro picture in, you might get, um, you know, Lagarde cutting back on QE, which will lift you a dollar. So you'll see dollar index and you'll be like, oh yeah, dollar's great, blah, blah, blah. And you're going to be buying, buying into loads of dollars, but you could get a lot of pain from that because that's actually not the dollar being strong. It's the euro, you know, so it's, it, it's a different kind of thing. Okay, and so what's a better thing to watch then, if, if that's... I, I, I would look at dollar EM. Okay. So if you want a real gauge on risk and dollar, look at emerging markets. You'll find some of the best traders in the world are emerging markets traders, just because okay. of the stuff they have to, the, the stuff they have to know. Um, mm-hmm. You've got very volatile, very, very brutal um, spreads. You know, sometimes less salubrious uh, central banks, you know, um, governments, restrictive governments, and they will clamp down on certain speculators. So when 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 there's a broad, so look at dollar yen, look at dollar rand, look at dollar tri, look at dollar mex, look at dollar ruble, and if all of those dollars are going lower, then look at G10. Okay, look, okay. At the, look at dollar yen, look at euro dollar, look at dollar CAD, Aussie, Kiwi. And if all of those dollars are softer, it's a real move. And then okay, you can okay. be buying your risk in, you buy your equities off that. Yep. Um, and outside of the dollar, is there other ways equity traders could use Forex markets um, as like indicators of, you know, or to help them trade more successfully? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there are some pretty decent correlations. Um, dollar yen to me is is a great tool for equities. 
So dollar yen for me tracks a positive correlation with the Dow Jones cash and also S&P futures. Use this with another asset, say 10 year yield in the US, then you've got something quite potent. Um, there's a there was a lead lag intraday move between all of these three. And the funny thing about dollar yen is what we say to our students is to say, look, dollar yen's made up of th three components. There's there's the dollar, there's equities, and there's ten year yields. And if if you really want to squeeze another one in, it's the yen because the yen doesn't move at all, and that's because the Japanese government, the BOJ, hasn't really changed their uh, policy of, of ultra ultra accommodation. That's really interesting. Um, and it, um, it's definitely related, um, and I'm not sure how much insight you can give on this, but um, crude oil also seems to be something that uh, people use as an indicator for, for, for uh, equities as well. And obviously it's been moving <laughs> a lot at the moment. Is, is there anything you think uh, people can use there, or is it, is it, <laughs> is it not useful? Yeah, uh, be really careful on oil and gold, right? So let's just take oil, right? So Oil, they say it's a great correlation um, with the dollar. You know, oil goes up, dollar goes lower. Well, oil's so complicated, and basically you're either in the know or you're not, right? So you've got that to deal with. I'm not saying, uh, I'm not accusing anyone of anything, but I know quite a lot of big oil traders, and this is what they tell me. So I don't particularly want to be fighting against people who know things about supply and demand in oil. And obviously, you're at the whim of OPEC. Um, shale is important, obviously, but OPEC's really, and when you talk about OPEC, you talk about Saudi, right? So unless you know what they're going to do, they could, you know, MBS could come out with a big, big statement like they like it is, and no one really knew about that. So, you know, the Trump tweets will affect oil, obviously, but they, they can't be... Um, as, as, as reliable as an actual OPEC country um, that's, that's closely affiliated or, or, or has the power, say, a Saudi. Yeah, so you've just got it. The correlations with oil also, in addition to the supply and demand shock, which we're currently in, the correlations with oil are not that reliable, even with CAD. So there's that, there's the supply and demand, um, there's the, the heightened risk between OPEC um, and the news it, you know, there's a lot of behind the scenes um, uh, deal making going on. There's all of that. And then, you know, you try, uh, and, and essentially when you're in a, a risk on situation, sometimes oil goes higher because everyone's, you know, thinking, okay, prices are going to go higher. But sometimes, you know, if there's a war going on or, or there's turmoil, then it will go lower. Yeah. So it's you've got all of this stuff, and then you've got to pull the trigger on on an equity trade. It's just too complex and too, you know. I prob I probably want to double my clip size on a on a on a less risky asset myself. Okay. Sure. So. That's a good insight is that dollar yen basically the, what is the one to watch you know, for those that are interested in equity markets and helping Definitely. to yeah. guide their thinking. Cool. Um, actually, briefly touched on gold as well. Is that something <laughs> some people use as well? Or is it, um... <laughs> oh, if there's, uh, if there's anything worse than oil, then it's gold <sighs> as a correlation. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, okay. So in just sort of rewind a few weeks when we had this, uh, this dollar funding problem this I, I call it the dollar wrecking ball i absolutely smashed emerging markets um it smashed equities but what it did do it smashed uh, a, a strategy called risk parity now risk parity is basically a model that was was started by dalio and bridgewater bridgewater is the biggest hedge fund in the world they control about 160 billion um, They've done very, very well over the years, over the decades. But risk parity in their simple terms is when equities go lower, you buy bonds, right, as a counter, as a, as a hedge, as a risk, um, as, a, as a, a safety haven, right? 
but you don't just buy bonds, you lever up the bonds. So you actually make a lot of money that way and, and it has worked. But when you get the odd occasion of a dollar funding squeeze, both bonds and equities go lower. So this turned over a lot of smaller risk parity shops. And I know uh, Bridgewater got absolutely hammered. Um, you can see their reports. I mean, they, they've got, mm. you know, a few other quant, quant shops got hammered as well. Right. So, so gold is, is one of these things that got sold into the dollar funding squeeze. And, you know, as a safe haven, great. But not so great, really, if you really boil down to it. Sometimes, you know, this is the other thing I learned as an institutional trader. Sometimes correlations are circumstantial. So you, you know, as a retail trader, you used to get like an overlay of one chart, put it onto another chart. And if they kind of matched or diverged in equal measures, they were connected, right? Wrong. It was just a circumstance. So this is the key. And gold, along with bonds, got sold off. Now, there was talk the BIS, um, which is the central bank of banks, they were selling gold, but who knows, right? But the fact is, because of um, VAR models getting hit, um, gold got sold as well. So it was not a safe haven. You know, people say it is the true safe haven, along with Swiss franc, but it wasn't. I mean, you, you, you tried... You try buying gold in the, in the current route, um, you know, in the color, when the dollar funding squeeze was, a wrap, was, was, you know, giving rampage, then you would have been in a, in a loss of pain, you know. So, yeah, it's unreliable. And uh, that's the bottom line on gold for me. Okay, great. Um, yeah, good one to know as well. Um, Going to dive into a bit more about your sort of trading experience now, in particular, uh, a lot of people are interested in the sort of swing trading aspect. Um, to start with, I just wanted to ask, how, how do you mentally prepare yourself before a trading day? Is there any sort of routines you, you do or anything to help? Yeah, I was going to say I meditate and do yoga and do all that stuff that, you know, you see on, on uh, LinkedIn and all these, uh, all these like, social media platforms. <laughs> but I, I don't. I'm not, I'm not that good. I just, I just um, I'm a bit more practical. So. I, I wake up um, around six um, just because I've been doing it most of my life. And I wake up around six. I look at Asia. I look at uh, what the previous session is. So if you wake up in Asia, you look at North America. I wake up in London. So um, I look at Asia. What, did, what, what happened? Just ask yourself, okay, were there any big moves? So it all starts from the moves. You know, I look at equities. Have they moved? Um, I look at which equities, which indices have moved, and then I try and find out why. So I look at the macro, I look at anything, any announcements, um, and then I base my current market view on that, and I use long-term versus short-term. So I use the, what we talked about before, I use the daily and look for a turn in the market if that is happening or not. Then I create my, my market view in dollar terms and in risk terms. And in risk terms, that means equities and emerging markets and 10-year yields. So I then have my view. I've laid out my stool. I look at the events, the risk events in the day and in the week. I take a step back and go, look, this is my view. Yeah. And then I look for levels where I'm buying or selling. Um, I look at my risk management, um, decide the clip size my risk reward, my stop. So where am I wrong? I look that within the context of my broad risk management. How am I doing this month? How am I doing this three months? How am I doing in, in the six months, in the year? My P&L, my yield return year on year. Then I pull the trigger. And, and you touched on there, um, you talked about emerging markets, 10-year yields. Yeah. Are you talking about FX? Are you talking about um, or the uh, indices? No, I, I'm talking about um, the currencies in emerging markets and the 10-year okay. yields on uh, the U.S. Treasury. So the what, what, they, what do they? What, how, how do they help with your sort of uh, analysis of what's happening in the market? Yeah, so so it's a risk play. Is it risk on or is it risk off? So usually, okay. when dollars going lower in emerging markets, 
then it's then it's it's um, risk on. So Practice. that means that means mm, I'm 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 bearish dollar, but I'm bullish risk. Okay, okay. So bullish equities, basically in GTM. Is this because uh, you're looking for the big institutions and where they're, they're putting their money and well, they'll, they'll base it on the dollar, like and it's weakness. Yeah, yes and no. I mean, I get word because I'm, I, you know, I still a lot of my friends still work in the bigger hedge funds and banks, but I don't. It's it's. A, I would I throw caution to that because I don't follow flows, uh, institutional flows, um, and you should just really not rely on that you you might hear of an m&a takeover and you know cable will be rallying blah 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 but for me everything you need is in the charts so if you look at the you know the way the chart is telling you if you 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 look at like the dollar right and you're like okay what is the dollar doing against certain currencies how well is it doing it what is it trying to do and failing to do? And you just have to sit back and listen and, and let the chart come to you. Let enjoy it, you know, because you know, very good you know, ex-gons trader told me the, the price is always trying to tell you something. All you have to do is listen. Yep. And so this sort of like um segues into sort of time frames and um, are you using candlestick charts, I assume and are you looking at what, what are you looking at time frame wise for, for day trading to get the sort of more macro overview and then diving into the, tra- the trading sort of view? Yeah, I, I'm, I think the, the bottom line is you've got to be flexible because you, you have to sometimes intraday to get bags and pips. You, you have to look a bit more long term if you've got a, like a solid macro view, you know, more long term. Um, but I do a bit of both, actually. Um, I, if I see an opportunity, I'll take it. You know, um, and I'll have an idea. You know, if I'm if I'm going for like a two to three week duration, then I'll have a. It, it's got to be a really a very firm macro view. Um, and obviously, at the moment, like especially last year, macro has been all over the place. You know, um, last year Fed cut three times, and dollar went up. Right? <laughs> so, I mean, that's all. That doesn't make sense. So, you know, the, the, you've got to really bear that in mind. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I use daily charts and I use four hourly charts for, for an entry. I don't, I used to use hourly when I traded data as a futures trader, but now I just, it's too noisy, far too noisy. And obviously with vol, you know, very, very, very high, um, you just, you know, you, you get stopped out. So I just stick to four hourly charts for my entry and, and my market view um, is, is on daily, sometimes weekly just to get a bigger picture. But yeah, daily is my sure. go-to. And in terms of um, holding periods, you, you're looking at sort of two to three weeks to see the returns generally at that sort of time frame. Yes and no. Um, I, I like to go long um, a currency if I'm feeling or, an, you know, sometimes equity if i'm feeling yep. like you know everything's going good you know this is this will need you know like like the proverbial oil tanker this will need a lot to turn it around so there are certain things i i i'm you know pretty strong in believing um at the moment i i, I guess i'm 75 or 80 percent there on a lower dollar just because of the stimulus Yep. because of um, you know the the rebound in sentiment and the, the 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 rallying stocks and the emerging market scenario with the dollar, but yeah, that would be a two two to week window. So they're all indicators of a lower dollar as well. They work. Yes. They work. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, so it works. You also so you can also get indications from equities and other things of a lower dollar as well. Yeah. Don't yeah. You? Totally. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, um, yeah. Sorry. Go on. No, no, please continue. Yeah, so, so intraday, I would, yeah, sometimes I'll, I'll buy and sell within that core long or short position. So if I've got like a resolute macro view of, say, like I have a lower dollar, you know, um, I would then add and take away some of those dollars within certain pairs. 
Yeah. So I'd be like, inch day, like four hourly, I'd be like, yeah, okay, I'm long, you're a dollar, 108.50s, right? I'm knocking them out around 110s. I'm rebuying those with a core. I'm buying, rebuying those halves, 30 pips lower, selling them out, 50 higher. So you, you're doing that, but you're keeping this long position. Yeah. But you're just taking advantage of, of buying and selling within that long position. Okay, okay. And in, in terms of, like, it, it's probably more complex than this, but what's the, your simple approach to taking profits or closing out winners? When, when do you, you is it, are you always like setting a level before you go in? Um, yeah. <laughs> are um, you coming out like in, in thirds during it? There's a lot of different ways, I suppose, you could, could approach yeah. it. Yeah. There's um, no, there's, look, I've done everything, right? I used to be, um, you know, and, and talk about entry level as well, it's and stops and all that stuff. Um, the, you've got to be really flexible and do what works for you. But the rule that I always have is have multiple targets and yep. change your targets if the facts change. So put your squawk on, right? Just listen to what's going on in the market because you could be 90 pips on side, right? And then some, and you haven't, and your first target's 100 pips. And then some, some central bank can come out with Trump tweets something that, that, that could erase 70 of those pips because you, you're fixed in your stock. You say, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to wait. I'm going to be, you know, this is my plan. This is what I'm going to do. Actually, you're the loser. So usually I, I, would, I would take profit all the way up to that 90 pip, you know. Yeah. And generally, depending on my risk-reward ratio, you know, for example, if you have a stock at 20 pips, you probably want to start to nibble your profits as it takes some profit around 40, 50 pips on side. So, you know, at least have a two-to-one R than R. But then obviously when it becomes 50, 60 pips on side, you take a little bit more off, you know, and then you move your stop up. You know, it's just a kind of, this whole kind of trade management is an art. I mean, there's, you've got anyone that says you only trade a four to one is frankly uh, living on planet Mars because you have to be flexible. Otherwise, you're just not going to make money. And do you ever add to positions, add to winning positions? Sort of yeah. double down? <laughs> Sometimes. Um, when the facts change, I do. But I tend to um, have a um you know if i'm adding to a position it will definitely be less than my original clip size yeah so it usually be the ratio of three to one and the final yeah. adding of my position would be like the a third of the three yeah so if, if i start with it um you know if i start with a three lot or, or three hundred thousand cfd i would then you know 40 pips on side i'd add another two and then i'd add another one after that Okay, okay. And in terms of risk management, what's your, your sort of general approach to that? Um, you mentioned uh, risk rule ratios, etc. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing about risk management is at any one point, and you've got to know what you're about to lose. And we teach risk management at Adamus Principle. And rule number one, well, fact number one, risk management is not about being defensive. It's about being aggressive and defensive, but knowing when to do that. And it's about defining risk. It's about knowing, owning it, being the captain of your risk, right? At any one point, you know, um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a big trader called Braveheart at, at Tower, right? He made 100 mil, right? But at any one point, he could have told you what percent per trade he's into, how many losers, how many winners, what the win-loss ratio is. Because he recorded all of his trades. Yeah, he smashed it, of course. But at any point, he knows what he's going to lose. So that's the key to it. You know, it's knowing where your stop is, how much your clip size should be, looking at the, the, the risk in the volatility of the, the currency or asset you're trading, knowing the liquidity risk, knowing the event risk. You know, all of this stuff, you just need to know um, you don't need to be perfect, but you need to be aware of it. So, you know, having a, a, an open position on oil over the weekend is not recommended. You'd be surprised 
the amount of people that do that you know yeah um currencies uh, are obviously 24 5 so that's a bit kinder um equities are are fine if you if you know what you're going to lose you know and, and factor in a bit of slippage so you know if you're if you're buying you know s p and you've got a positive stop then you're probably going to be okay you know um so even if it gaps lower in on in asia and, and sunday night you, you know in s p futures you're probably going to be okay with that but at the end of the day you know and also if you're averaging um you want to be writing out all of those separate average trades to the to to find out the the, the total of what you're about to lose you know how many days have you got in you? How many, how many trades have you got in you? Out of your capital, what, are you, what is your limit? Is it 20%? And then you walk. You know, I would rather, I say this to my young traders, you know, I've seen people get carted out in, on, on futures desk and they're, they're, you know, it's not pretty. So, you know, if you can walk away with 80% of your capital, you know, you're doing fine. You can always come back. You can always come back. Don't, don't be scared of losing. Don't. It's, it's not embarrassing to lose, you know. So just really, risk management is 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 like probably as you trade bigger size, it's probably the only thing you need to know, really. And what would be sort of the minimum risk reward ratio? You'd just for any trade. Is there, is there something that you have as like a, a rule? For that? Yeah, I, I like I like my my sweet spots three to one. Okay, but I'm okay with taking a bit of profit at two to one, and then you've got a free trade, right? So, yep, that's it. And you know what? Getting a free trade means you've got maximum upside and no downside, which to me is the best risk reward. And do you have? Would you ever, instead of taking profit, move your stop instead to Both. maintain full size? Yeah, yeah, and that's the way. That's where your 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 arbitrary skills come in. That's how you massage it you take good care of it because if you you do that in such a way that you know you live and breathe your currency your chosen currency or, or your asset and you're like yeah i know this i've got this because you've done it time and time again and you're thinking okay today vol is a higher so what's my atr so i'm thinking okay i'm not really gonna be moving my stop too quickly now one of the things most traders lose money on in my experience retail traders that is is they move their stock to scratch on entry far too quickly so they, they don't give it any breathing room they just don't give it any time at all or they never move their stock and they never take profit so it, it's just a balance right so it's it's a case of you know you can't lose money if you take profit that's the old adage okay so great but you've really what i found is a lot of win win loss ratios are around 50 50 many of my good friends who are traders have a 40 percent win rate right they're the best traders in the world because they have great risk rewards they stay in their trade for pretty much ever and um you're not really you're waiting for the big move right yeah that's the, that's the move that's gonna make you positive in your yield year on year it's not the ins and the outs it's it's that three or four big figure move you know those yeah. are the things that you really want to capture and by reducing your stop in a in a prudent way will enable you to do this okay and Obviously, at the moment, um, the markets are extremely volatile. Uh, it seems like actually this is a it's been volatile for a while. Um, periods of it, period, periods of time that it gets, does get extremely volatile. How how is it best to sort of deal with these sort of volatile environments to not put too much risk on the table when things can get you know move extremely quickly? Um, how can you still trade like in in these environments uh, with with some accuracy? yeah absolutely so like as a trader you like if, if when you pull the trigger right if you're sweating if you're feeling com uncomfortable you you're doing too much science right so you need to be very comfortable and convicted uh, and, and have high conviction in, in your trade 
So it's the same with vol. When, you, when vol's higher, you reduce your clip size and you increase your stop, right? So in high vol scenarios, often, not always, but often there are less participants. So you get thin liquidity. And what that means is you get extreme moves. So less amount of clips do more in the move, right? So essentially, yeah, you get your big flows here and there, but essentially, because it's, it's, it's quicker, there's less people doing stuff, right? So that's often the case with high vol. Um, essentially, what you'll find is um, in that situation, just relax. It's okay. You can still make the same amount of money on a slow-moving wildebeest like Eurodollar, which is kind of not a straight line, or fast-moving uh, gazelle like Dollar Rand. Right, you just have to keep your risk in check. So you reduce your clip size based on the uh, the, the, the the riskier uh, scenario, and then you're okay. You know, it's um, and that's how you trade vol, really. And did you mention ATR? Is that average true range yes. ATR? And how how do you use that as a guide for the volatility? Do you or? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, a near-term guide for realized vol. So essentially, each currency pair has an ATR attached to it. And I like to use the 20 or 22, which is essentially the average range of that currency pair or, or equity. Um, so essentially, per day, um, and you can slice and dice it any way you want, but essentially, it gives you an idea of the ranges. So it's the average kind of trade range of that, of that chosen asset. And you use that to, to um, not determine, but give more uh, indications of your appetite for the risk and, and your reward. So, you know, and, and also if, if, the mar if the market, if your chosen asset is falling below the average ATR, then that's fine, but expect it to have a spike above it. You know, there's different ways to play that. If the market is above and beyond the ATR, the average ATR, um, say Eurodollar, I think it was around 90 last time I looked. Um, then that's, that's the amount of pips it's moving in a day, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty much, yeah. On average. So, yeah, so Eurodollar, you know, if, if Eurodollar is moving around 80, 90, um, for example, it might be more. I haven't, I haven't used it for a while, but that's, you know, you use that to say, look, if the market's already you um, moved that amount, on average, it won't move more than that range in that day. Mm -hmm. And also, if you, you know, if your target is 200 pips away, then you may not get filled. <laughs> yep, that, that, that makes sense. Um, and lastly, I've got one last one for the trading experience uh, sort of questions. How how do you handle situations where you may have had a few losing trades in the row um, and uh, you sort of rock, rocked a bit mentally? How do you get sort of back in the game? Um, I went to the loo and had a little cry in tower trading. And then and, and I came back and I, I just picked myself up and told myself, um, it's just a trade, yeah? So... It, nothing prepares you for, for a, a string of losses. I mean, I've had 10 losses. I've had 10 ropey days in, con, in consecutive order and nothing really, and I was doing some proper size back then and nothing really prepares you for that. Um, you, your guts churn. Um, you feel like, you, you feel like peanuts. You feel like nothing. But, you know, it takes a good mentor to bring you around to say, look, this is normal. This is absolutely normal. How much have you lost within your capital? Each trade is 50%. You know, it's one of a thousand trades. You're good. You, you dig deeper. If you made a mistake, sit back. You know, if you're breaching your, your monthly risk, take some time off. Go for a run. Have a massage. You know, take a weekend off. Go away for the weekend. You know, I mean, obviously we can't do that now, but just take the dog for walk, whatever it is, you know, just don't trade. Don't say, look, I'll look at the screens and not trade because as a trader, you'll find that very difficult if you're like me. Yep. 
So just bear in mind you're in good company when you lose because many, many, many very good traders lose. You just the mark of a person is to is to learn from the experience of loss to pick yourself up. It's good to have a good mentor as well, but to pick yourself up and realize that this is all part and parcel of trading, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good uh, good time to mention that because this is uh, we're going to go into the part we want to discuss a bit more about mentoring, um, and you know, obviously at Adamus principle, that's uh, you mentor a lot of individuals uh, into becoming successful traders. Um, what sort of personality traits do you commonly see in in successful traders, or are there any? Um, I I see all kinds. I mean, we we mentor at all levels. Um, we we mentor. We we have some institutional clients from banks who want to like they they're off their mark. They they want to get back on point. We've got um, savvy retailers, like pretty big retail traders too. So I would just say usually the common um, the common appetite of risk is is the thing that I I see as a success, but the, the key failure is is not harnessing that, not reining it in when it's needed. Um, I think being resilient is is one of the things. I mean, risk management is important, but all of that, all of the macro, all of the techs, technical analysis, all of the market reading can be taught. But risk management, it just requires a lot of discipline and swallowing your pride as well. You've got to be very humble. You know, um, a month ago, I got humbled. I took a bit on, bit, bit of risk on and I got humbled. And, you know, very quickly, I have a, you know, I called them, I have a mentor, right? I have a number of mentors and they're big traders. I called them up and said, oh, well, you know, I've just really done myself in today. And they just went through the same process I, we go through as, as mentors. Just look at the facts. Look at what you've done. Why you've got, why you, why you got the pain. Get, pick yourself up. You know, you're not defined by your trades. You know, it's just a job. I mean, people live and breathe it. And I expect, you know, good traders will use that as a passion. But... I just feel, you know, you've got to take a step back and, and, and just realise that. But coming back to your question, I feel um, appetite for risk is important. You've got to know, you've got to have a go, you know, but also risk management, being, being, being tight and aggressive, knowing when to rein it in, but then, you know, smash it. Um, but I think for me also is resilience because you, when you're trading and you're successful, you're going to uh, be feeling a brand new kind of pain and joy in your life that you can't actually explain to someone who's not a trader. You, you can't, you know, if, you're, if you have a different career, you, you, you can't explain it until you actually live and breathe it. Yep. And how, how important uh, is mentoring for traders? Well, I, I think it's essential. I mean, I, I'm on the phone to my, to my mentor um, pretty much every other day. Um, and we do provide that, obviously, at Adamus Principle. And we found that just checking in your thinking, you know, checking in the, the moves and not always agreeing, but just sense checking your own views and going, have you heard what's going on? What are the institutions doing? How's the market reacting in your view? You know, and just getting that confirmation and also saying, look, I'm having a bad run. You know, what am I doing? Because when you're in the midst of it, when you're at the cold face, it's very difficult sometimes to actually realize you could be making a very, very simple mistake and you're not aware of it. But it's just someone to guide you, you know, someone to give you their experience. Um, you know, the team I head up, um, has over 30 years experience in tier one banks and hedge funds so you know i'm i'm buy side i'm prop myself but we, we also work with a lot of sell side tier one spot effects traders um and they've seen you know from 85 87 98 2008 you know 2002 they've seen all kinds of uh crises so 
and they've survived. And, you know, I, I've seen a, a fair few uh, big moves on the markets myself. So it's just to give them a holding hand to say, it's going to be okay. You know, this is what you're doing wrong. This is what you should be doing a little bit more of. And here's, here's the bit of guidance and, and tuition. Yeah. And so, yeah, so experienced profitable traders also benefit a lot from mentoring then. It's not just for beginners. Absolutely. And you know what? The day I come up to you, Ed, and say, look, I've cracked it, then I get my coat. I get, I get I'm done because <laughs> that's yeah. when I'm in big trouble. You know, I mean, I'm, I speak to some very big traders um, every week. They are humble. They're the most humble people you can imagine, right? Um, because the markets are like the weather. They are like the sea. You never know. You know, you could have the, be the biggest boat, the biggest cruise line, you still get sunk. You know, so the, the weather is you, it's unpredictable. But your, your job as a trader with proper risk management and guidance and mentorship is to say, look, let's look at the forecast of the weather. Let's get the proper boat for that. Where, where am I traveling to? Um, what, my, what is my crew? What's my crew look like? And, um, you know, what are my provisions, you know, for that journey? And that's all part of mentorship. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Patrick. Lastly, I just wanted to have there's some quick fire questions. I uh, just wanted to go through very sure. quickly uh, and not meant to take too long to, to sort of like go through them, but whatever comes to mind, uh, just to finish off the, the interview. Um, so the first one is top three mistakes uh, traders make. <laughs> Fat finger, too, too big a size, and um, trying to be a hero. <laughs> <laughs> Could you just, uh, the fat finger, can you go into a bit more detail on that just for people who might know, might not know? Yeah, sorry. So, sorry, fat finger is when you pull, pull a trigger, when you make a trade and you're not supposed to. Yeah, okay. basically. So it's not coming out of that and just like going, oh, I made a mistake, sorry. Yep. Okay, and where or who do you go to for market insights? Um, I love, I'm, I go to Bloomberg Reuters. I have, uh, we have partnerships with a, a lot of tier one macro agencies. I call my mentors, um, but I also look at CMC actually, a um, bit of a plug for yourselves, but I, I do look at uh, market pricing on, on, on equities that a great source with CMC. And um, also, yeah, I look at, I try and look at everything. Um, there's another website I quite like called Forex Live. I look at that as well, but on the tweets as well. I mean, Trump is, is a gift that keeps giving. Look at, I'm, I'm across his zero hedge is another good website. Um, so all of these together, but obviously yep. uh, don't, don't look, just be flexible and, and scout around. I have Squawk as well. So Squawk's yep. good. And what's Squawk, sorry? Squawk is basically a radio station with, with yep. um, institutional experience, um, giving, they're plugged into all of the, the, okay, the okay. wires and they, they basically blurt out or squawk out um, what's going on, what the figures are coming out. So round Squawk, live Squawk, OTC that, that these are uh, sorry ITC um, in touch uh, market so these are the score that the major score companies that that really um, you have in every trading floor so they're, yeah. they're like uh, they they give you commentary market commentary throughout the day okay great just keep you on top of the market basically yeah exactly everything's coming up yeah um, top tip for your younger self <laughs> <laughs> um, go on the stay on the demo for longer <laughs> <laughs> really so that, that's interesting like some people there's always um people are is it trevor trevor recently said he he wasn't a massive fan of demo other people think demo is good you, you yeah. think demo is a good one to get your sort of basic um strategies and, and stuff in place yeah i mean i think um i think what I'm not going to paraphrase Trevor, but because I, I wouldn't dare to. He knows far too much than I do. But um, I, I think what he was saying is, is, is demos are different to real, which is true because it's a demo. Right? There's no pain. There's no pain. There's, is there? Well, well, there isn't. But what we do at the Damage Principle is we we seamlessly transfer you from from smaller size to bigger size, and that is that follows the exact same process of, of deciding when and when not to trade. So mm -hmm. the same goes applies to a demo to real and when i was at tower trading and a lot of, a lot of institutional traders find a lot of value with the demo yeah you know 
it's sense checking your your strategy without losing any money i mean there's what i will say is use don't you know it's it, it's been given a, a dirty word but it's not i mean you know i'm not saying um go on the demo for six months or a year but but do you know do it long enough so you feel comfortable enough to then transition make the transition to a real account when you're when you're ready you know because essentially when you do hit real money your job is to stay in the game for a long time you know if you're making schoolboy errors then you, you would rather make that on 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 the demo right so when you do hit the real account you're going to stay with that broker for a long time you're going to be profitable you can have a positive equity curve and you're going to make mistakes obviously but you don't find them all the really glaring glaringly obvious ones in the demo hopefully and then when you do hit the real you make some nice money yep of course um what's your favorite charting software um i particularly like trader made so these charts uh, and i post a lot on linkedin so these charts i post um, we have a partnership with them and they're brilliant they they um have a, a partnership with bmp paribas they 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 started in 1985 and um they focus on on currencies but they also do dow jones and, and s p um, yep. the reason i like them is they're really clear cut they're very sharp um and you could have a certain sentence there's no clutter there's they're very very clear yeah. and clean and i i like you know i like it simple and i like it clear and clean and crisp uh next question is bitcoin yes or no definitely not definitely not uh same as gold for you <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep um so and lastly i just want to so stock market prediction i put down is maybe maybe sort of not near term next six months are we seeing from what you're seeing in the dollar, you're obviously think you've mentioned you think uh, there's going to be a weaker dollar. Does that mean potentially you think in a higher stock market or? I, I, I think more so. Complex than it, that? It, it, it is a bit only because we need to get a cure for coronavirus, right? So we're having we're having you know this buying this kind of rumor, this goodwill rumor. But the only thing I will say is we're we're, we're going to be capping. A lot of the we we're not going to enter new highs in equities. That's just my view, obviously. Um, just because you know the stimulus we've had is not going to be like GFC stimulus. The money from central bank rhetoric is wanting it to go to Main Street, not Wall Street. So buybacks and divvies are being capped. For that, for it's for those reasons I see a natural cap to to the highs we've had which yeah. were quite bubbly um but yeah i mean you know a weaker dollar does support stocks so near term yeah i mean i see stocks high yeah brilliant that's the last question um yeah i just want to thank you again patrick for the interview it's been really insightful i'm sure um our listeners gonna learn a lot from it uh if there's an ending note you want to leave with um where they can uh, people can find out more and, and talk to you uh, or if they want to join or, or potentially like talk to you about Adamus principle, where do they, where do they go? Thanks very much, Ed. It's a real pleasure to be on, on the show. And um, you can, you can contact us. Um, I blog avidly on LinkedIn. So you, if you, if you Google, uh, sorry, if you, if you look on LinkedIn, it's Patrick Reed, Adamus principle. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm an avid blogger. I have about 6,000 followers. Um, um, but, you know, look at our website at damasprinciple.com. Um, there's another way and you can find my email on there um, and, you know, or, or, or connect with me on LinkedIn. That's a good way. And, you know, if you have any mentorship uh, requirements, um, we're, you know, our team will be in touch. Uh, happy to help. Perfect. Thanks very much, Patrick. Great. Uh, one final thing, Ed, if that's okay. Yeah, of course. We actually seed people uh traders our mentors uh, mentees into um various shops so we we do back people after they complete our mentorship our six-month mentorship so if you're thinking of perhaps not wanting to to provide capital for yourself we, we will certainly help you with that if you if you do our course our mentorship course yeah it's great to hear uh, that's uh, good to see there's uh, still some really good business around doing that um great. perfect yeah that's it patrick thanks so much Ed.
Thanks for listening, everyone. Just a quick note before we sign off. If you're looking for an easily digestible daily update on the markets, this might be of interest to you. Opto Updates is our short newsletter sent every day during a trading week, giving you a bulleted list of the top seven stories from the global stock markets. We've done the hard work for you, highlighting relevant opportunities and trends. And in addition, we'll also keep you notified of any new podcasts, stock reports, or events from the Opto world. If you're interested, sign up using the link in the show notes. Until next time.